Welcome back to another episode of The Wrench Revolution. Now, today's episode is a little special because it is the first episode that I am also filming. So, if for whatever reason you would like to see this ugly mug while I'm talking, head on over to YouTube and search The Wrench Revolution and it should pop up. The main reason I wanted to film today's episode is because the topic that I'm going to talk about I think would be better understood with a visual. So I'm going to do my best to explain it, but I'm also going to provide a visual so that you can understand it a little better. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into it. Today's episode is about compensation. In the previous episode, we talked a little bit about compensation from the employer's point of view. Today, I'm going to talk about compensation from the employee's point of view. So I'm going to be going over what I call the compensation formula. And I will be taking full credit for this because I've never heard anybody else talk about it. Basically, the compensation formula is a way that you can figure out about how much your job or position should be worth. Now, it's not an equation, it is a formula, so there's not going to you're not going to be able to plug these numbers in and and get like a set salary or anything like that. It it doesn't work that way. But it's going to give you an idea of where you're at um where you're at in terms of compensation and maybe what you can do to increase your compensation. Quite simply, the compensation formula is compensation equals your value multiplied by your reach. Okay. Now, reach is pretty self-explanatory. It's just the number of people that your job or position impacts, and that can be directly or indirectly. It doesn't really matter, but your overall reach how many people your position impacts. Values where it gets a little bit complicated because you can actually break it down into several different variables. But basically, your value is the skill or expertise that your job requires plus the difficulty of your job plus what I call the X factor and that is the X factor is things like how hazardous your job is, um, how many hours you typically work in a week, how much time you spend away from home, travel, things like that. And and it could be a number of different things um, that don't really fall under the categories of skill or difficulty. So when looking at this formula, everything, all the variables, I put on a scale of 1 to 10. So for instance, A surgeon, that requires like a 9 or a 10 level skill or expertise. And most of the time, those surgeries are going to be an 8, 9, 10 level of difficulty. Then on top of that, they've got an X factor of the life of their patient in their hands. Um, Or if they're like an ER surgeon, they're going to be doing surgeries in the middle of the night or, you know, on call type of things where they get called in kind of at random, um, not a not a set schedule type of things like that would add to their X factor. Now, let's say you work as a cashier 
at a retail store, like a clothing retail store, it doesn't take a lot of skill to do that job. So you're going to be lower on that scale from one to 10. You, you're going to be like a one, two, three, four, depending on what the store is. Um, and then your difficulty, that's going to vary based, based on, well, based on your clientele or your shift. Your level of difficulty is also not going to be that high working at a at a clothing retail store. Again, you're going to be like a one, two, three, or four. And then your X factor might include things like um, the, the type of clothing or the type of customer that comes in. I, I, I would imagine that you're going to get a little bit more difficult customers if you're working at like a Nordstrom than you would if you were working at a Ross or a Kohl's. I, I might be totally wrong with that. I don't shop a lot, so I can't really, I can't really uh, say that for certain. But I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Is certain jobs just don't require that much skill or just really aren't that difficult. You can even look at it within the same industries. For example, let's look at, like in a very broad sense, mechanics. You're going to have, at the low end of the spectrum, you have lube techs, which pretty much are just doing oil changes, washer fluid, um, checking coolant levels, checking tire pressure. It's pretty easy. Like that's a super, super easy job in the automotive industry. Um, it doesn't require a lot of skill or expertise. It's not that difficult. Um, there really aren't that many X factors. Uh, years ago, I actually worked at a dealership as a lube tech. And the only X factor really was that we worked 14 hour shifts. But that's like, I mean, when your skill and difficulty are both like twos and threes, maybe and your X factor of a 14 hour shift is like a five. Like that's not even that hard. You're just not going to make that much money as a lube tech. Now, if you go to the other end of the spectrum and we'll just stay in automotive. I won't jump into like diesel or off-road equipment or anything like that. But if you go to the other end of the spectrum and you're looking at hardline automotive mechanics, you know, they're doing engine rebuilds, replacing transmissions, things like that. That requires a lot more skill and expertise. Like you have to know how to rebuild an engine if you're going to rebuild an engine. And then the difficulty is also there as well because rebuilding an engine is not an easy task. Even if you know what you're doing, it's not necessarily easy. You might be able to work through it rather quickly because your skill or expertise is high, but that job itself is still fairly difficult. Um, your X factor might not be that high other than that with those big repairs, there's more of a liability on the mechanic. You know, if you make a mistake, if you put the wrong, if you put larger or thicker bearings in an engine than you're supposed to and it ends up seizing because of that you know like there's there's your x factor with that so there is a little bit more liability um so there's two examples for you to see the difference between you know lube tech and a hardline automotive mechanic and and that should give you an idea of why a lube tech makes so much less money than a hardline automotive mechanic does um, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because so I, I see it all the time now, people wanting raises for doing really easy jobs. Like 
if you want more money, you've got to increase your skill, develop that skill, develop some talents, gain some expertise, and you will become more valuable and you will make more money. That's how it works. People who are working very simple jobs and are demanding higher wages just don't seem to understand that. Because here's the thing, you can pull somebody off the street and train them to be a cashier in two or three weeks. That's not a difficult job. It doesn't require that much skill or expertise. And a job like that that has basically no X factors, it's super easy to find someone to replace them. You are not gonna be able to pull somebody off the street and train them in two to three weeks to do brain surgery. It's just not gonna happen. From an employee's point of view, if you think that you are not being paid enough money, you've got three options, basically. You can improve your skill or expertise. You can take on more difficult tasks at work. Or you can add some sort of X factor to it. You could work longer hours. So you could volunteer to travel for work if that's something that your company does. Um, you could volunteer to train somebody to do your job. Basically, things like that. It kind of depends on what industry you're in because some people, like, I mean, working as a cashier at a Kohl's or a Ross, there's not a lot more you can do there. And that's something that you need to, you need to consider. You need to look at where you're at, and if you want to make more money, is it possible for you to move up where you're at or do you need to go somewhere else? Because if you're already towards the top of the ladder at your company and you're still not making that much money because it doesn't require that much skill, it's not that difficult, there aren't any X factors in there, then maybe you need to find a job where you need to develop more skill or that is a little bit more difficult or that requires longer hours or is a little bit more dangerous or whatever it is. This should give you a pretty good idea of what I mean when I say value in the compensation formula of compensation equals value multiplied by reach. What I just discussed was the value side of it. Now, reach is honestly pretty self-explanatory. It shouldn't be that hard to understand, um, for instance. And this is one that's really, I mean, this is like a super controversial topic, but NBA players versus WNBA players. Um, and the and the different levels of compensation. Like if you look at it, NBA players make way, way, way more money than the WNBA players do. Um, and if you break it down into this formula and you look at it, the NBA reaches so many more people than the WNBA does. Don't get upset with me about that. I'm just stating the facts. So once again, your compensation is roughly equal to the value that you provide multiplied by your reach or the amount of people that your job or position impacts. So if you want to make more money, you need to either increase the value that you provide or increase the amount of people that you impact. And just to clarify, when I say value, I mean specifically the value that you provide at work or to an employer. I don't mean like your intrinsic value. I don't, I don't mean your personal value as a human being. Okay, don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying that somebody that works at Starbucks as a barista has lower 
personal value as a human than a doctor does. That's not true at all. I just mean that the service that they are providing as a barista might not provide the same level of value as a surgeon who's performing open heart surgery, if that makes sense. All right, the compensation formula is pretty basic, but it should give you a good idea of why you are making what you're making and how you might be able to increase your compensation. Okay, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the compensation formula and try and help you uh, get some ideas on how to increase your compensation is because I see so many people complaining about their level of compensation while they are doing fairly simple jobs. The other thing I want to talk about is I see so many people talking about wanting to raise the minimum wage. It, it's a terrible idea. That's like Econ 101, the first thing they teach you day one of your first economics class in college is that raising the minimum wage is bad. But for some reason, they keep raising it. Here's the problem. Raising the minimum wage, it, that's the floor. If you understand that, if this is the floor, this is somebody, a high school kid working as a bag boy at a grocery store, minimum wage, and here's a, here's a doctor that's making $250,000 a year. When you raise the minimum wage, everything adjusts and this doctor ends up making $300,000 a year instead. And then, I, I mean, this is what causes inflation. So maybe once the minimum wage increases, it feels like you're making good money for a little bit, but it all evens out. Within a couple of years, your cost of food goes up, your cost of living goes up, gas goes up, everything goes up. The minimum wage is one of the things that drives inflation. So raising the minimum wage isn't doing anybody any good at all. Not only that, but the minimum wage is not designed to be a living wage. If you are working a job trying to support a family at minimum wage, you need to take a good hard look at the compensation formula and figure out where you can move yourself from a one or a two to a five or a six or a seven or eight or a nine or a 10. Because the minimum wage you shouldn't be trying to support a family on minimum wage. That doesn't mean we need to raise the minimum wage. It means you need to increase your value or your reach so that you can make more money. The minimum wage is designed for kids in high school or kids that are working their way through college to try and improve their value, try and, try and develop some skills so that they can go get a difficult job and provide some value to people. The minimum wage is not a living wage. And if you are currently working a job that pays the minimum wage, go develop some skills. Go get trained in something. Try and get some certifications. Anything you can do to provide more value so that you can actually be worth more money to an employer without just demanding more money for no good reason. I get a little frustrated when I hear people just complain and ask to raise the minimum wage. That doesn't even make sense. All right, rant over. That should do it for this episode of The Wrench Revolution. 
Thanks so much if you're still listening to it. I appreciate it. Um, if you feel like it, I would love it if you would leave a review. If you have any questions or want me to talk about a specific topic, uh, you can reach out to me at jason at jctradesolutions.com and I will try to get back to you or make an episode about whatever that is. Uh, thanks so much. We will catch you on the next episode of The Wrench Revolution.